This is Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 653. And the quote of the day is, the comfort zone is the great enemy of courage and confidence. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here, episode 653, and I hope all is well in your world. If you are in Europe or you have friends or family who are affected by what's going on in Europe, just want to let you know that that I'm praying for peace and my heart is with you, my thoughts are with you, and I'm just hoping that this whole situation can somehow come to a peaceful resolution very quickly and... uh yeah, it's just, it's been weighing on my mind a lot. So I'm um, just, just praying for peace out there. And I'm hoping that maybe, you know, these podcasts can be a slight distraction, can be some slight form of, of entertainment or something that brightens your day or, or makes you smile or laugh or, or makes you think. And this conversation is a great one to do that. This is with Ashlyn Sanafelt, and she is an Austin-based drummer and has taken the steps to really carve out a niche for herself by challenging her comfort zone. And we talked about that a lot on here. She moved to a new city. She moved to Austin, didn't really know anyone is starting to build a career there. Did it during COVID or right before COVID started. So we talk all about that and the challenges that came with that. And she has really great advice for not only challenging your comfort zone, but also practice and how sometimes we need to step away and and just being introspective about what's going on and balance of life and drums and things that I talk about a lot on the podcast. We really get into a lot of that stuff in this conversation and Ashlyn really has a great perspective on all this. So I'm excited that she took the time to be on the podcast and I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's get into it with Ashlyn Shanafeld. Ashlyn, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you being hey, here. I am um, so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. I will say that uh, you and I have never met. We, this is our this is our first interaction. But when I I put out a message because I get a I get a lot of flack that people are like, well, people will message me and they're like, you you haven't had any women pod on the podcast. I'm like, okay, that's not correct. But right. Um. But but a lot of times they're like can you have more women on the podcast? And here's what I have to, here's my, my thing that I say about that every time I say, for me, it's always a numbers game, but the audience that listens to the podcast, looking at my analytics and just looking at the drumming community is 97, maybe 96% male, 3% to 4% female. Right. Right. So I'm like, there's a huge pool of men that I can pull from smaller pool of women. That said, I need. I was like, I need to be better about bringing women on. And I said, give me some suggestions on people that you would like to see. And mm-hmm. an overwhelming amount of the responses were you. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's and awesome. So I wanted to tell you that, that you have a lot of people out there. Uh, and I'm glad that this happened. And that's But I so want to cool. let you know that you have a lot of people out there, uh, you know, rooting for you and, and fighting for you and putting your name in the ring and, and throwing your oh, name wow. out there. So. Well, that's really so, cool to hear. Yeah. I didn't, I had no idea. That's so cool. Yeah. So, uh, so there you go. Sweet. And now, and now you and I are talking. So, and here we I are. gained another friend, which is cool. <laughs> well, absolutely. That's maybe that's yet to be determined until the end of this episode. You may, <laughs> well, I'll judge you, you until the end. Friends. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. I may not get it. I may not, we may not be friends after the episode, but, um, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, and I know that you've talked about this before. Uh, I, you talked to to Don Pomolaro about it, and and mm-hmm. it's been brought up before about you playing open handed. But the reason yeah. I want to talk about it is I am a huge Carter Beaufort fan, massive, gotcha. massive Carter Beaufort fan. Uh, he's like the bucket list guy that I've always wanted to get on. <laughs> I had his VHS tape. I broke mm-hmm. it and got another one and broke that one. And like, I mean. Maybe almost obsessed with with Carter Beaufort. I don't yeah. know if I am now. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not now, but I for years, and I'm always like he taught me how to play. Right, that's mm-hmm. how I and I played with every record. So for you, I'm I got to imagine the one was he plays open handed, I play open handed, and there was that connection. But uh-huh. there was 
was that sort of the entry point and then from there uh your sort of your your love for his playing grew from there it was weird um so when i grew up uh i got my first like legit drum set when i was 10 years old so i didn't really start listening to music um until about that age like i I mean i did you know but i wasn't intrigued by the drums and what was happening rhythmically and um so when i got my kit it was just kind of natural that i played that way i didn't even think about it i didn't know it was a thing Mm -hmm. that most drummers would play you know cross crossover and uh most people don't when they sit down and play the drums they they sit down open-handed yeah and that's supposedly like that's how it was made to be because it's just it just fits better sense it makes sense, right? So yeah. uh, I didn't start listening to Dave Matthews um, until I was about 11 or 12 and uh, had no idea who Carter was, like mm-hmm. no clue. And eventually I would see videos and um, saw that he played like me. And I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. I can relate to somebody else right. who plays drums open-handed and who's actually left-handed. And uh, I just thought that was really, really cool. So I, it just kind of sparked from there um where i was actually interested in, in drummers in general right it, it took make, me a minute but it always makes sense i mean of course like be i was a carter Bofer fan so i'm like i set up my drums like carter Bofer, right and I, you yeah. know 87 splash symbols but had, if i had that many drums i probably would have <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i didn't have that many drums i just had like all 11, the symbols i had like three drums and 11 teen symbols yeah. but um but you know putting the ride putting the ride symbol on the left-hand side, mm-hmm. trying to figure that out. And it it really does open up all of these possibilities. And if you yeah. can get, and I think that I never did, but I think that if you could get over the hump of like figuring out the the dexterity part of it, if you're mm-hmm. naturally right-handed or something, it's it's got, it's worth its weight in gold. Like even, even just being able to play, like I could figure out like a little groove. And I was like, oh my God, my whole right hand is just completely wide open to, to get it's around free to do whatever yeah that's it is it's it's funny because um like i actually set my drums up left-handed the first very first time like my dad mm-hmm. helped me set it up and since he knew i was left-handed he was like let's try it this way first and it just felt so weird i'm like dad i feel like i can't play anything like i, I was playing <laughs> since i was three you know right and so we switched everything around and he put the ride over to the left and for a while that's actually how i did it um and then as i grew up I started seeing other people put it on the right side and it just like looked better. It felt better for them. And I'm like, maybe I should try this. Let's just see. Yeah. And it's been a struggle. It's been a constant struggle because um, for years, for like 20 years, like I was literally playing left-hand lead strictly, left-hand lead fills and everything else. And uh, really over the past like three years, I've been busting my ass to play right hand lead and it's finally like i'm finally getting to where i'll, I'll just sit in on a gig and just start right hand lead and i'm like okay cool i've made so, i made a breakthrough <laughs> i so. i gotta imagine that like we're saying how playing you know hand over hand like a mm-hmm. like like a right hander plays drums that all right that's hard but i think it's got to be even harder to play left hand lead trying to go around the kit it is it is like throwing like your brain, hand underneath yeah yeah i have to really that's how you always, that's how you've always fills. played yeah wow yeah it, it's wow. it's been sort of a struggle and for a while i felt like um like i just couldn't learn things quick enough mm-hmm. because i had to do it left hand lead on a right-handed kit and so i'm like why am i not getting this fill down why am i wanting to crash over here on the right side with my left hand and yeah. i can't get there quick enough on the left so it's like i had to figure out what to do and some sometimes i still do left-hand lead fills um and i'll still play open-handed you know sometimes Mm -hmm. it just feels right to do it that way but does it feel like you cap out at a certain like i guess at a certain speed like getting around the kit because you have to because your left hand is constantly having to go below your right hand yeah yeah it's right um it's a bit of an obstacle uh you know like and there was a time when i was a lot quicker i was doing more like speed exercises mm-hmm. um and now like this part i'm sort of focusing on just groove in general and and i have my pro- priorities are on different terms now but when i was going faster around the kit it was very frustrating for me so i yeah. made it a point to like f- 
focus on right-hand leads, so maybe that'll be easier later on. Um, so yeah, it was it was a constant struggle for a little bit trying to get that left hand to do what I wanted it to do. <laughs> I got to I'm I'm just thinking about now like how just how anything for me playing left-hand lead is hard. So I can't imagine yeah. being like, okay, now I have to reteach myself how to do everything left-hand lead. Right. That's, yeah. It's it's funny that you said we're talking about going around the kit because I I remember watching a thing with Ringo and they were talking mm-hmm. about in uh in Come Together that everyone was like oh this is what a genius uh phil or you know uh intro that you did and he was like oh no i just couldn't go around the kit this way because right. of my hands so i went back up the kit with left hand lead going up because mm-hmm. he's left-handed you yeah know? people and, people talk about ringo a lot with me too and and that's it's crazy how it just it just happens that way like naturally yeah your body just wants to do what it wants to do in a situation like that so i'm just like i'll just go with it until i feel like it's necessary to make a change so to that point now i guess what happens when you set up i don't want to like harp on this but it's interesting (laughs) uh or it's interesting for me sorry um but what happens if you set your kid up Mm left-handed can you i mean do you do that can you play that way i i haven't set my kid up my kid up left-handed in a long time um Mm -hmm. i do have i used to have uh quite a few lefty drum students and so uh there was one student in particular who was left-handed and i would go to their house and teach him there. And I sort of had to, it was mainly just my feet that would mess me up. Everything yeah. else didn't really bother me a whole lot. Like in high school, I played tenors. So that yeah. wasn't, it wasn't really an issue um, going, you know, from from the right to the left like that. But uh, I, if I were to try and do it now and actually just get through a gig, it's my feet would probably be the only problem, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. My right foot cannot hat to save my life and my left foot cannot kick like it's weird it's so weird and i'm left-footed like i kick a soccer ball and football or whatever left-footed right i'm just like i'm such a weird human being i don't know i think my left can (laughs) kick my but my uh my right definitely cannot play the hi-hat yeah at all weird yeah it's like playing with club feet or something (laughs) i think maybe it's just like the nuances of a because you know a kick pedal you can just slam into it if you need to not that i'm suggesting anyone should uh but um so talk to me talk to me about growing up like you started playing when you were really young Mm -hmm. and as you start to get older are you thinking like this is what i'm supposed to be doing this is like this is it or uh was it or was it a hobby and you were going to go to college it's kind of a weird thing i uh so i got my first kid at 10 before that i was playing drums constantly um like my brother's friends had a drum set in their backyard in the shed or something or at their house. And I, you know, when we would all walk down the street and go hang out and play. And so I would sneak off and play the kit, whoever's mm-hmm. it was, you know, it'd be like 98 degree weather outside. And I'd be in the shed sweating my freaking, ugh, it was hot. It was hot. Okay. <laughs> Texas weather is hot. Texas, Texas is hot. Yeah, for sure. And then being in a, a tiny shed, in the middle of summer was like <laughs> brutal. Anyway, so uh, I I wanted to be a rock star growing up. I was like, I'm gonna be a drummer for Hanson. these huge bands. Hanson was one of them. I yeah, heard, I, I heard loved, about your I heard about your love affair with Hanson. Oh, so. Loved Hanson. Yeah, that was like my first drum experience. I think that yeah. I can remember just setting up in front of the TV and playing to. I think that people still tour. think of them as little kids, but like they're full grown men with kids and still play and, and it's kind of weird and play well <laughs> they do they do um so like that was my first i'm gonna be a rock star experience um and then flash forward uh up until like high school i took a lot of graphic design classes um messed around with photoshop and was really getting into like photography and and stuff like that so i thought maybe i'll go to college for this 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 like seems like a really cool thing to do mm-hmm. um and then flash forward to college i'm like no i'm gonna i'm gonna pursue music <laughs> nice. i still love i mean i still take pictures and i still love doing all that stuff and maybe one day i could you know make it like a side hobby mm-hmm. um and maybe make some money out of it but i just couldn't let go of of drumming it was just something kept pulling me back to it and uh it's it's therapeutic and it's stress relieving and it's frustrating all in on one and yeah. uh 
so I thought, you know what, maybe I can make some money out of this too and, and make it my actual career, just see what happens. So I guess the short answer is yeah, for the most part, I mm-hmm. just wanted to be a drummer. That, nice. That's it. Yeah. When you, when you make your mind up that that's what you're going to do, what are the things that you start putting in place? Because I think there's a lot of people out there that are that are either deciding that they're going to pursue this mm-hmm. um, or maybe have already decided, but ne- don't necessarily know how to start po- putting one foot in front of the other. You know, I always think about it like, okay, you make this decision, then you wake up the next, you are, you wake up tomorrow. What do you do? What do you work on? How do you put one foot in front of the other? Is it, well, I'll let you, I'll let you talk about how you did it. Uh, that's, it's kind of just, uh, for me, I guess it was networking and uh, finding people to play with. Um, I, I mean, I, when I was, I lived in a small town, so it, there wasn't a whole lot going on. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with all the places in Texas. I grew up near Lubbock, which is like West Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and even that is not a huge city, you know? Right. So there's, I mean, music was sort of happening there. Um, I was in a sort of cover band in my 20s, like my early 20s. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was my first like legit gig experience. Um, so I think that for me, I just, I wake up and I'm like, okay, I want to practice. I want to get better at this, this, and this. I need to network and meet some people and uh, just see what's out there. So like, that's the gist of it for me. I just, I just want to meet people right. and get better, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and book some gigs and, and make some money. Cause I got to pay rent, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> like the first is coming up each month. I got to pay rent. Right. right. So, but then you but, moved yeah. like, so how long, how long were you gigging before you decided to up and move to Austin? I can imagine why you moved to Austin, but, yeah. um, but how long were you, did you already start to ha- build your core and and have sort of a a thing going on before you moved? A little bit. It wasn't yeah. um, as serious before I moved. Um, I, I guess up until about a year before I moved, it wasn't as serious. Um, like I was I was working part time jobs and mm-hmm. um, teaching at School of Rock, so I was still having an income that was like you know stable and and reliable, and um, so I. When I moved to Fort Worth, I was gigging and, and doing the part-time thing. And eventually I was just like, you know what? Not a whole lot is happening for me here. I feel like maybe it's time to to change and to move on mm-hmm. to the next best thing. And um, I kind of pictured myself living in Austin. I, I was coming here every weekend pretty much to gig oh, really? anyway. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to move. I think it's time to start fresh and uh, just do the damn thing you know yeah so i did and it was seriously the best decision i made just to like hit the refresh button didn't really know many people mm-hmm. um i didn't have a single gig for i think it only took like three months um, it's actually not, it's not it's horrible. not that long yeah. when you're in it it kind of is yeah uh but when you when you're looking back and thinking about how quick it, it was for me to meet mm-hmm. people uh it happened so fast. Like I was literally in four bands within a six month period. That's amazing. Yeah. It was awesome. I, Very I busy. Always, well, that's good. That's what you wanted to be. Yeah, exactly. I, I always remember the the advice that my buddy gave me before, before I was moving to LA. He was like, move there and get ready for the phone not to ring for a long time mm-hmm. and be okay with it and realize it's not you. It's not your playing. It's not this. It's not that. It's just, it's just how, how it works. Um, but you, I mean, you moved to Austin in what, 2019? Yeah, so, three years ago, this this month. Yeah. So not too long ago, uh, st- things were still reverent. It's not like, well, when I moved, you know, I grabbed, <laughs> right. I was looking through the phone book and I called people. Um, uh-huh. So what did you do when you got there? And unfortunately, like, how long were you there before COVID hit? And that, I was, there, it was literally one solid year of hustle. And then all of a sudden, COVID uh, hit. So, so I was like making a change for <laughs> 365 days and then all of a sudden right. I had to like stop. <laughs> then or change again, right? The, change and pivot again, and yeah. figure all that out. Um, right. So you so you moved there. Is was that the first thing for you was like, let me go to open mic nights, let me go to gigs, let me like how did you because every everyone wants not everyone, but a lot of people want to move out of their city 
and move mm-hmm. to a different a music city. Yeah. What do you do when you land? I to be honest, I um I was I was pretty nervous when I moved here, so I didn't actually go out a lot when I first got here. Um I didn't I didn't feel comfortable enough to go to these open night like open gigs uh mm-hmm. by myself. Um because when you move from Fort Worth to Austin, it's a bit of a change. Like it's only a 3-hour difference uh, drive, but uh it's so busy in Austin whereas Fort Worth yeah. was very chill and laid back and like everybody was very polite and and you know so moving here <laughs> I was like I feel like I'm everybody's gonna... really nice in Austin no I mean Texas you know everyone's nice in Texas yeah. but it's just a different pace um right so like my anxiety kind of went up the roof for a minute and I had to like okay I need to figure out how to cope with all this and how to deal uh with getting out and, and hustling that way but mm-hmm. honestly for the most part I just I use social media like I just got on Facebook groups and even before I moved to Austin I was getting on Facebook groups and was telling people about myself and uh you know sending them my my socials and just telling them to to check me out or whatever mm-hmm. and eventually word of mouth you know that's that's kind of how it happened which I'm very thankful for that like that makes me feel a lot better knowing that people are talking about me right whereas like they just clicked my link or something you know mm-hmm. uh so that's kind of how it was for me. I was just I was just playing that Facebook group game on about four different Austin musician pages. <laughs> and were uh, you so were you sending them? Uh, did you have stuff prepared to send to them? Like, was there? A, I don't want to say like a reel, but was there? You know, was there some sort of uh, like reference to my playing? And yeah, reference to your that. playing or like a, a why? Why the hell can't I? Oh, like an EPK kind of deal or yeah. Like, no, actually, I didn't have any of that. Um, I had so I made my my Instagram. I have two Instagrams. One's just like my private thing. I hardly even post on it anymore. But I made my drum account back in 2018, like May of 2018. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have a whole lot of stuff on there, um, but I did just send them that, and then just would just wait to see what happened. But uh, there were a couple people kind of from all over that are in that page that gave me shout outs saying like you know she's professional she's talented hire her whatever nice Um, what were you saying so i'm sorry to like because i think this is really important like what because i think that a lot of people do this wrong and they get on social media and they're like hey do you have any gigs for me do you have any gigs do you have any gigs anyone have any gigs for me and i don't necessarily think that that's the best way to do that my guess is that that's not what you did um no but so so what did you do because i think that it's it's important especially you did it in the age of social media you didn't do it 20 mm-hmm. years ago like you're you're actually still i'm guessing like you're still sort of doing this yeah um, yeah what was your what what were you saying to people and what were you how were you positioning it um the first time i really did it was i mean i, I actually did it again in december because i want to get more into studio work but um I, the first post i remember i was just like you know, telling them about myself, I how long I've been drumming, who my influences were, um, how I'd really just love to meet people and just network and see if some gigs could happen. Uh, but that was, it wasn't really me pushing for paid work yet. Mm-hmm. It was just like, I just want to network with people. And some of them were duds. Like I had to sift through the, the bad eggs, you know, it was kind right. of like some of, of them weren't as professional as i I guess was at that time and um not that i'm like super high level drummer but i wanted somebody to to meet my standards of professionalism and and uh sure you know all that but yeah i mean you um, get the people that are like well we got a band that we're like playing in our basement and whatever and you're yeah. like where do you gig and they're like oh we don't yeah I get we it. don't gig we're just doing it for fun I'm like, yeah okay, come over well. and jam and you're like eh, yeah i don't yeah i know if i mean if you want to go jam with people that's fine but i don't I just don't think it's really doing much for your career. Yeah. I mean, I'm at a point now where I'm like, okay, I need paid work. This is it. So, <laughs> right. Right. Uh, I mean, if so, Sting calls and he's like, do you want to come over and jam? I'm there. Well, absolutely. Like, <laughs> you know, it's different. Yeah. <laughs> Hang out with uh, Sting. Even, come on. Yeah. Or even maybe not Sting, but you know, anyone that's like, it's one thing. Yeah. If someone calls and is like, oh, I'd love to get together and play and yeah. just jam and try to maybe do some things. But yeah. Yeah. Um, Sometimes it's worth it. Sometimes it's not. Yeah. You know, you live and you learn. And that's mm-hmm. uh, a lesson I'm also dealing with. 
as well as kind of uh, knowing when to just walk away from stuff. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's a really easy decision and sometimes it's not. So, yeah, it's also yeah, easy so. to get stuck in those in those sort of absolutely call them like dead end gigs or you're in a situation where, you know, you're playing at a you're playing at a I mean, I I booked this club for years and those um, bands that did residencies there and you know, they would play the first Saturday of every month. And three years later, they're still playing the first Saturday of every month, but they're trying to move on for their career. And I'm like, You're, yeah, like this is a dead end gig. You gotta know, like branch it's not, out. you got to branch out. This gig is not going anywhere. Right. Yeah. And it's We've easy to get stuck those. in those. It's it is. Easy it's to get it's very comfortable. Those. It's very comfortable. And um, I, I uh, made a decision uh, when I moved here was I'm just going to get out of my comfort zone and just mm -hmm. do just do the damn thing like i have to i was in my comfort zone for six years in fort worth you know yeah um taking those those easy gigs and just couldn't do it anymore i was i needed a challenge again and i've mm -hmm. just been challenged every like every week i'm challenged with something new and i'm so thankful for it you know yeah I was going to ask, how has that how has that helped your your growth, not only as a musician but just as a person, and and getting over these these humps? It's it's changed my life, really. Like, and that sounds so cheesy, but it it has. Like, I've met these amazing people here, and um, not just in here in Austin. It's I actually wrote this on Facebook uh, yesterday, day before. Like, moving to Austin has sort of helped me make connections with all these other people around the world not just here um and that's just i think it's a great place to be you know mm -hmm. uh it's 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 a competitive place but also people are very supportive and want to see you strive and having those people in your life really helped me out because i would still be playing those just the same like texas country red dirt gigs that i right. are i know are going to make money um but now it's like no i want to want to branch out and i want to do something hard and uh really challenging mm -hmm. and so i took i took a country swing gig and now i'm like their drummer and that has helped with you know my right hand lead stuff being independent on the kit and it was really frustrating at first but now i'm just so thankful for it because it's it's changed my whole outlook you know and now i yeah. want to get into more jazz and more latin stuff um so it's just i'm just really grateful for opportunities like this um mm -hmm. opportunities that you've created though by right, getting out yeah. of your comfort zone you know Absolutely. saying yes to things mm -hmm. uh i the the, the inter it's such an interesting thing about about fear and getting over getting over that and getting out of your comfort zone is mm -hmm. that even though we know it to be true it still scares us but like once it you does. go through, once you go through that door you're like that, there's not some big bad scary wolf on the other side of this yeah of this door like it's not it's it's not as scary as 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 it as we made it out to be in our heads mm -hmm. but like getting through that door is really really hard it's it's, it's really, really hard. hard it's it's rewarding and it's like a it's a very humbling experience too because you walk mm -hmm. in not knowing what's going to happen and then after it's done you leave uh in my case i feel much more confident and just like like ready to take on the world you know mm -hmm. it's like i i got through this i did the best that i possibly could and i feel like i could do it again so yeah. bring i it think on, you know that, that i love that I, that's mm -hmm. exactly what i'm talking about because i think that every single time you do it you, that muscle gets stronger and stronger and stronger until the point where you're like i'm fucking unstoppable and i can do exactly anything that i want and it's like the first time is hard second time's a little bit easier third time's a little bit yeah. easier and you know by the 10th time you're i think i don't know i think that you see all these successful people and a lot of it sums up a lot of it can be summed up to they just kept going out of their comfort zone yeah it keeps you on your toes too you know you can yeah jump on these these gigs like for instance i had a a, a one-off gig didn't have the uh the music sent to me until just a few days before and i actually didn't even have time to really learn this stuff yet so I had a slammed week and I'm like, okay, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. And I, I just never had the chance to actually listen to the music. And I told the guy, I'm like, Hey, <laughs> just gonna let you know <laughs> the situation here. And he's like, Oh, don't worry. You know, come on in. We'll be fine. So I, I pull up and 
I'm playing like some Latin stuff and some hill uh, uh, rockabilly stuff and that I've never played before. And I'm like, no, I can I can get through it. I'm good. I yeah. feel like my past experience of of studying this stuff has led me to be confident enough to to get through a gig that I've never played before and mm-hmm. didn't have enough time to learn the material. Um, not that I not that I encourage people to just go and wing <laughs> a gig, but if you're able to do it in a tight situation, that's it's really cool to be able to yeah. to do that. You know, mm-hmm. I, last yeah. week I had I had Sean Pelton on who. I consider, I mean, he's, he's arguably one of the, one of the most successful studio and touring drummers yeah. alive. Right. And the, for the stuff that he, he didn't, he didn't outwardly say it, but get, gaining from all the stuff that he was saying, I was like, man, this guy just put himself in situation after situation yeah. after situation. And then after a while, it's sort of like, there is no situation that I haven't been in. There's no situation that I can't handle, you know? Yeah. And, and it makes him feel more comfortable or makes us feel more comfortable if you know if we can muster up the courage to do it but it also i i think makes people more comfortable with hiring you because they're like ashlyn can do this i've like i don't well maybe she's not that yeah it doesn't matter i've seen her she can adapt she is she's you know she's confident she can play her ass off there's you know and it's like because you've chosen to put yourself through the ringer that i think Mm -hmm. people start to feel more and more comfortable hiring you yeah i mean and that's the thing is i i don't want to be known for the drummer that can just play that one genre and and kill it like i i want to be able to sit in on any kind of gig any genre any style of drumming and be completely confident and and make people think that like oh yeah this is her genre right here this is definitely it and then next week they go to the same show to see me play and it's a completely different style of music and they're like oh wait no that's that's it maybe yeah. you know which one is it <laughs> so, yeah. that's the goal here that's where i'm trying to improve so jazz is next stay there tuned <laughs> stay tuned i love it i think it's like that level right you can figure that out which you will mm-hmm. and then the next thing is like no matter what style you're playing everyone knows that it's you yeah that's yep. like that's always the actually goal, right? i was i was told by a a, a bass player that I, I play with here in austin uh, a few months back he was just like there are some drummers that they're just they're just like a computer you know they're just mm-hmm. very straightforward you can't tell who's playing but with you i can actually tell it's you playing if i close my eyes and i hear you i know it's you i know your style and it's uh like i it's cool to know that i can actually put my own you know sprinkle my own little style of, of mm-hmm. stuff into every genre that i play it's like yeah you, that's ashland playing that's, like, oh, that's so be cool the best. that's really cool that's a it was such a cool compliment yeah it was yeah. one of the best compliments i've i've received so yeah that was really cool to hear that's awesome good for you yeah good for you Thanks. well deserved so talk to me about what you practice how you decide what you're going to practice you said you get up in the morning you're like okay i want to work on this 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 and this so yeah. how are you decide because there's so many things to learn like there is every morning you could process. wake up and think of something different and you, that would last you your lifetime times 100 mm-hmm. um how are you deciding what it is that you need to to work on and then how are you going about executing those things um oh it's so it's so strange um and i'm sure i'm not the only person that goes through this but like one week i try to focus on one particular thing i guess um Mm -hmm. like this week it was uh mostly just technique um so because like being left-handed i i struggle i guess with with playing singles across the kit right like we talked about earlier and i noticed that my left hand kind of morphs into this french grip thing and then I, i start losing control of of the stick and i'm like i don't know how to stop this so (laughs) that's one thing that i'm working on this week um because i can't work on it too long because i get burned out and i'm like i don't even want to play anymore right um oh really i I do i i get burned out with with certain things um and i have to like find different hobbies like i i I take pictures of my drums a lot it's i'm just obsessed with taking pictures of gear it's weird Mm -hmm. i don't like taking pictures of people a whole lot but give me a a guitar or a drum or 
literally a cup of coffee and I will take pictures of it all day. That reminds me um, of of Lauren who took your pictures and my pictures. Yes, yes. And she's oh, like, I love I, Lauren. She's like, I don't play drums, but I love taking pictures of drummers yeah. and and more. And she was like, honestly, more the drums the gear yeah, <laughs> yeah it's she, it's weird it's so satisfying um yeah. they're just so pretty you know they're they so are. pretty they are um but i don't know i kind of pick and choose i try to keep it like a week span and um go from there but uh it, it also depends on like what i'm inspired by mm-hmm. um i was i was watching a lot of like benny greb youtube videos once and i was like Oh, this guy. I'm going to get better at time today and this week <laughs> and focus on that because that guy is just a monster. He is. Um, and then like Carter McLean, just, you know, brushing up on some jazz stuff and, and making it sound amazing and just like I'm telling a story behind the kit. So it's it just yeah. fluctuates, to be honest. I wish I had like a specific thing to tell you, like, yeah, yeah do this and this. But it just changes, you know. Analog sound for a digital world is finally here. Sonar has transformed the original sonar sound look and feel of the 50s, 60s, and 70s drums into a contemporary concept called the Sonar Vintage Series. Complete with an updated teardrop lug design, round bearing edges for warm, deep, low-end tone, a reissue of the classic iron-shaped bass drum bracket, and exciting finishes, the Sonar Vintage Series is the obvious choice for anyone who has one eye on the past and one eye on the future. For more information, visit sonar.com. Promark is more than just a pair of sticks. It's the inspiration for all drummers to break the barriers of convention and make their mark. And Promark is challenging players of all kinds to discover what makes their drumming unique and show your stripes. Use the hashtag showyourstripesdr on Instagram to share your own special performance a photo of your kit, or whatever you feel sets you apart as a drummer. The best submissions will be included in a brand new Promark official Stripes ad spot. Be sure to follow at Promark Sticks on Instagram to stay in the loop with all the exciting things they have in store this year. Promark, the official Stripes of making your mark. I think what works for what works for you is what you should do. You know, I, I, I'm yeah. always, I've always been a fan of like, okay, figure out what other people do and mm-hmm. see if it works for you and see if it doesn't. Uh, I remember Jojo Mayer talking about, I don't know if he talked about it on the podcast or if he was talking about it in an interview, but, um, or like in a, in an article, but he was saying mm-hmm. that he's, he's like, I don't have really a regimented practice routine or, you know, anything like that. When the mood, when the mood strikes me, I go and I practice this thing yeah. or work on this thing. And, and uh get inspired by something like you're saying and mm-hmm. go and take that to the shed and and work on it. Yeah. Um I love the fact that you're talking about having these these little moments of escapism a little bit where yeah. it's not like I'm sitting behind the kit for 9 hours a day and that's all I do and I you know like we need to live our lives and and mm-hmm. enjoy our lives and have that work its way into our playing have our playing work its way into our lives absolutely um, how's your how's your balance for drums and music versus life um it's i'd say it's a pretty good balance i yeah. i um i tend to, to to try and make things even i guess um, like obviously i i'm a full-time musician so that's most of my time but um I mean, I have days where I'll just veg out on the couch and watch TV all day. You know, it's like I just have to have some sort of zone out experience. Um, But I I like to have other hobbies. Um, I I took a pottery class once for like the first time ever. And I was, I felt like I was pretty good at it. Like I watch pottery videos on Instagram all the time. It's weird. Really? And yeah, it's just, it's very uh, soothing. Soothing. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah just watching the things you know being built and shaped um so i took a pottery class once and ever since then this was like four years ago i mean uh and i kept thinking okay i'm gonna get back into this i think i could really make some stuff happen and this year 
it's my goal to actually do that and hopefully be good enough to where I can make my own stuff and make that like a side job and just see if it works out. If not, nice. I'll just, just do it for fun. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I've always been intrigued by that stuff. Um, I think that's cool. Yeah. It'd be a lot of fun. I don't, I'm guessing that, I'm guessing that you never felt this, but I, I've always felt that I always had like this weird, this weird sense that I couldn't have other hobbies or like I couldn't be into other things because the drum gods were going to come down and strike yeah. me or, or, or people would look at me and think, oh, you like, you also do this thing or you also do this, then that you're not a real musician or you're not a, yeah. whatever. and like, I don't know. I don't know if you've ever felt that. Have you ever felt any I of that? I have. I have. Um, it, it, sometimes it kind of comes in waves. Like it still kind of hits me every once in a while. Um, but that's sort of just like my ego talking, saying, you know, you're not doing enough drum stuff. Get back into it. Focus on drums. Um, but if I do that, obviously I love it. And I love being a musician and I love playing gigs and you know, doing studio stuff. But if I don't take time to do something for myself that isn't drum related or music related in s- some way, mm-hmm. uh, I I kind of, I, I don't want to say I get burned out, but I get, it's almost like a, a depression. Like I just feel like I'm not uh, taking the time to like fully work on myself and, and do what I want to do from my own terms. Because being a drummer, you're constantly doing things for other people. Right. right, you're yep. showing up to the gig to play their and their band and their songs and, and mm-hmm. recording for other people and teaching other people things. So, um, you just got to find a way to to do things for yourself. I think I and, never looked and, at it that way. Yeah, it's I've actually it's interesting done a lot of reflecting over the, over the last year, and so thinking about that, it it was a big eye opener for me to just like it's okay to take some time off and focus on what you like to do Mm -hmm. Uh, try new things if you don't like it you don't like it and move on do something different so i encourage that i I don't think that you should just have one specific job one specific Mm -hmm. hobby you know yeah yep yeah i it's it's interesting one i've never i've never looked at that as a a drumming like oh we're always doing this for other people and and Mm -hmm. need to do some stuff that's a little bit more self-serving uh and yeah. you know a little bit more introspective but um yeah there's it's just a weird it's a weird thing i think i think this like hustle culture has added to that too where it's like you always have to be like if you're if you watch tv for an hour then your life you know you're ruining your life and all this other stuff you're losing or, an hour of practice time and blah 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 yeah and yeah. it's like I, listen you have to work hard Right. Like oh, that's absolutely. you have to work hard. Like that's table stakes. Everyone has to do that. But mm-hmm. like you have to live your life and no one is practicing, you know, 18 hours a day or whatever. I I think yeah. there was a small I let me rewind because I'm now I'm, <laughs> now I'm like now I'm rambling and I'm getting worked up. <laughs> but I was thinking about this the other day. I was out on a long bike ride and I was I was thinking about this that I believe that no matter what it is that you want to do, if you want to start a business or if you want to be a professional musician or if you want to get good at something and really, really good at it, there has to be a chunk of time, whether it be six months, a year, two years, where you're spending five, six, seven, eight hours a day practicing every day. And if it's business, maybe you maybe even have to be working more than that. That is an unsustainable model for the rest of your life, though. And I think that right. at some point you have to learn how to go from from thinking you have to practice 10 hours a day to understanding that, like, realistically, you probably only need to practice an hour or two a day mm-hmm. and maybe not even that much. Yeah. Uh, to get a, a full on productive practice, I don't think you should right. practice more than, I mean, more than three hours ever. But that's yeah. just that's just me. Some people it works for them and that's great but yeah my attention span isn't <laughs> as long as some of those folks mine is you know? horrible by like this though conversation keeps me always keeps yeah. me engaged with anything else like if the, if i was watching something on tv i would be like yeah i would be i'd be reading a book and on instagram at the same time right or yeah just multi multitasking <laughs> yeah. and actually that's something i do too i've 
I'll just, I have a practice kit behind me and I uh, just set it up in front of my TV and I literally just zone out. Like I watch it and I'm not even looking at my drums and I'm just like figuring out different patterns. And sometimes I'll come up with something awesome and I'll Mm -hmm. write it down. I'm like, cool, that'll be something cool to to play on Instagram or to teach or or whatever. Um, But I'm still like zoned out enough to where it's like meditating almost and and Mm -hmm. just therapeutic, you know? Yeah. It's it's a good... uh, it's a good way to, for me to vibe out anyway. I like it. I like mm-hmm. it. Talk about teaching a little bit. So are you doing, are you doing mostly online, mostly in person, a hybrid of the two? Uh, it's, it's kind of a mix. Um, I have a few students who are in like California and um, some are just like way far in, in Austin that don't want to drive. And I'm totally cool with that. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's fun. I like teaching. I've been teaching since I was, uh, 23 22 23 yeah so um it's it's constant learning experience for me too you know what do they say if you can you never really know matter or you never really know a subject matter until you're able to teach it exactly right absolutely yeah someone smart but i love it once someone smart i don't know (laughs) i don't know who said it (laughs) uh um yeah that wasn't me who said that (laughs) It's not a, that's not a, a Nickism. Um, so what's your, I got, I have two questions for you. What's, okay. what's your favorite part of teaching? Um, I love the most when the student is extremely excited about wanting to learn stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care uh, if they're complete beginner or, or not. Like I just seeing them excited. I don't care how old you are, you know? If you're happy that you're doing this and you're learning something, it doesn't even have to be drums. Like I, I genuinely love teaching people stuff. Obviously, if I know enough about it, right? Um, but it's just it's really rewarding, I think, to see them excited about wanting to get better at something. Mm-hmm. Like that's really cool. I've I've heard Mike Johnston talk about that too, where he love he's he's loves teaching so much that. He was like, that's why I stopped touring because yeah. during, he was like, I would play gigs and then after the gig, I would be on the tour bus teaching all the other drummers who were like mm-hmm. on the gig. I would show, I'd be showing them something and that was the highlight of my night, not playing not the gig. Not the actual he was gig. Like, yeah. And he's like, it turns out I'm just a teacher and I just happen to play drums. He he you really know? is. He's a great example of that too, because you can see it. Like he genuinely loves to teach people and that's yep. that's that's kind of a rare thing because um, there's tons of teachers you know there's tons of music yeah. teachers and you can tell kind of which ones are just doing it because mm-hmm. they kind of like it or which ones are truly or need truly the money and hate it or need the money or whatever yeah yeah um, there's a, i think there's a lot of those that uh yeah. that hate teaching that do it just because it makes money mm-hmm. um what's your least favorite part about teaching uh <laughs> i guess it kind of depends um <laughs> You can always tell. We're looking at you, John Stevens. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) How how ridiculously awkward would that have been if you actually had a student named John Stevens? (laughs) That would be, he would call me up and be like, "Uh, I don't think this is going to work out. (laughs) Right. Um, And and let me, let me just, the reason why I'm asking this question is because I, I think it's important to understand that like there's there's really great parts about teaching but then there's also some parts that are frustrating or that suck or that oh, you know are not uh are, are not just like oh we're just playing drums like there's some frustrating parts of teaching yeah i i think that um usually the, this factor goes in hand in hand with the the, the parent just drops the student off because they just want a place for their kid to go for an hour or two, mm. you know. Yeah, that's that's always like a babysitting service. Yeah, it's kind of just like I'm watching your kid for a minute, um, and you can you can kind of tell that that's that student doesn't really want to be there. So like those those two factors go hand in hand a lot. Um, yeah, and at that point, I kind of know which students to teach and which ones not to teach. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. kind of starting to say no every once in a while, you know. Right. But that's really it. I mean, I don't, I don't get frustrated when they don't pick things up quickly. I don't. I'm a, a patient person when it comes to that stuff because I know mm-hmm. that there are certain things that this person has never even thought of before, and they're trying to learn it. And I know how frustrating it can be. Like I'm, yeah. 
I'm seriously one with that. I, I'm trying to learn certain things now that I'm like, oh God, (laughs) why can't I get this down? This is so stupid. It's so easy when someone else does it, you know? Yeah. So, uh, that's honestly, that's like the main, the main thing. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's such, I think it's such a detrimental thing to our own playing is our ego. When you sit down and you try to play something and you're like, I'm a, I'm a professional. I'm supposed to be, I should be able to know how to play this. Why can't I play it? And we either, yep. We either say, fuck it. I know how to, I'll, I know how to play it good enough. And you move on. That's your ego saying, I don't feel like struggling with it anymore. Exactly. Uh, or we, we just, get frustrated and we're like i suck and then walk away from the drums but it, yeah. that's all ego like it's it all ego that ego is is a is a bitch let me tell you it because it just it'll eat you alive if you're not careful um i i try to leave it at the door most of the yeah. time like when i'm when i'm going to my shed and i'm getting ready to legit practice like i have a written out regimen like okay this is what i'm going to do today um which doesn't happen as often as i feel like it should but every once in a while, I'll get super inspired and super motivated enough to write some stuff down and just check some things off. And there's always that one thing that I didn't check off that I'm like, you know what? Okay, I'm not ready to tackle this yet, or I need to practice a full day on this specific thing. Um, and a day turns into weeks, and then you yeah. know. So yeah, yeah, you definitely have to leave your ego out because it'll. It'll eat you up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that yeah. that's always been a struggle for me too, practicing and sitting sitting down, playing something, not being able to play it. That in my head, it seems like an easy thing, but mm-hmm. I, I can't, you know, I'm not able to do it. And then I get like this negative feedback loop where I'm like, this is such a waste of time. Yeah. And then I'm like, why am I wasting my time? <laughs> like what, you know, and then it's like, and if I, if I let it, if I let, that inner talk overtake my my uh, practice routine then it gets into like why am i even wasting time playing drums in the first place exactly like yeah. what am i getting out of this like i should go work on my business and i could <laughs> like make more money like and like it it can just go and go oh, and go and go it's a vicious cycle yeah it is for sure yeah <laughs> how do you get yourself out of it um i just take a break for a second and reassess yeah. and i'm like you know what or talk it out with somebody it's like nothing can get fixed in a day like you know if you're learning something that's you've never done before go easy on yourself because Mm -hmm. you know you'll get it eventually and that's the thing is i have to learn to be patient with myself i can be patient with other people so much easier than i can with myself so um and i'm sure most people are are that way Mm -hmm. um you just gotta you just gotta take it a day at a time and just like it's still gonna be there when you come back, you know, just take your time with it. That's Even you kind of saying that, say. that literally, like, I was just thinking of that and I was like, it calmed me down to you saying that. I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm, no, and I'm being serious. Like, I, I think that like you have a, you have a good way of thinking about it and, and being rational about it and understanding mm-hmm. like, okay, look, I can't learn. I'm not going to learn this in a day. Be right. kinder to yourself. Don't, don't allow those negative thoughts to, to creep in, calm mm-hmm. down, relax take it slow, you know, just give it a little space. And if yeah, it's not working today, space. walk away. Yeah. Come back tomorrow. Tackle it, tackle it again tomorrow. It's yeah. it's one of those things that you have to keep in mind too. Like it just takes time. Like drumming yeah. just takes time. There's so many things you could learn. Um, take a break, learn something else, come back to it when you're ready mm-hmm. too, you know? Yeah. One of the biggest pieces of advice I got a long time ago from a bass player friend of mine where I was just in one of those funks where like, I felt like I wasn't getting better. I felt like, you know, nothing I could like the practice routine wasn't going well, nothing. And he was like, just stop playing. And I was like, for how long? And he was like, as long as it takes, just yeah. stop. And I didn't, I didn't practice or I didn't play. Cause I, I was, I was sort of in breaks uh, on tour. Mm-hmm. I had no gigs. I didn't practice for probably three weeks or a month or something like that. Yeah. And I came back and it was like, I, I like I almost fell in love with the drums again, fell in love with the process again. Absolutely. And now all the time, I like I do it and I tell people all the time, I'm like, just you don't have you can take two weeks off. Yeah. You'll be fine. Yeah. It's it's, it's okay. weird. And 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 it's funny that you said that because falling back in love with this instrument is is um it's so common, 
I think, because like, especially during the holidays, I'll leave and go back home for a week or two at a time. Mm -hmm. And um, I won't play my drums at all. Like I'll take my sticks and a practice pad, but sometimes I won't even touch it. Uh, it, And then coming back, it just makes me so much happier to be in this room with my drum set and just play something and just see what comes out. Uh, I just feel a little bit more creative that way too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's just like starting over. I think it's good advice. I need to take my own advice with it too, but yeah, you should. uh, I think it's very important. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So what, (laughs) so what are the, uh, what are some of those things that you have on the, on the horizon now or or things that you're working on or, or trying to, trying to tackle? Um, I am, I won't say too much because I'm not many people know about it, but I'm working on something, um, for myself and it's the first time that I've ever tackled it. So I literally just started like last month, um, nice gathering ideas and, and everything. Um, but I'm, I'm doing a little bit of that and I'm just focusing on, uh, getting more studio work. So that's, that's really my main focus is to get more sessions, more session time in, um, and so far it's been pretty great. Like I, what is this March? And I've already had, uh, four sessions. So awesome. like I'm basically going from zero to 95 in like two seconds now. So I'm like, okay, cool. This is going to be my new focus. I'm, I can gig whenever it's fine. I don't, you know, I'm used to that right. now. Uh, I just want to get more tracking time in. So where, where do you, where do you like being better? Do you like the studio or do you like live or I'm, that's kind of hard to say because I'm, I'm so comfortable on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas being in the studio, it's one of those things, you know, back to getting out of your comfort zone. I playing different songs that are like a, in a studio, you have to be in time completely. There's no room for, you know, fluctuation on the kit and being flexible or whatever for the most part. Right. right. So um being on your a game is very crucial whereas being on a gig in a live setting you can just kind of do your thing and have some fun with it yeah Yeah. Um, and the studio is like listen i know you're nervous yeah uh, but play what you're gonna play and then uh we're gonna put it under a microscope exactly exactly (laughs) and then they're like so go go ahead (laughs) that's just very humbling for me um so i want to get enough reps into that scene to where I'm I can just walk in and be like okay I know what I got to do let's do this I look up to a lot of studio drummers that have been doing this for years and just Mm -hmm. walk in and own it um and and a lot of those guys I talked I talk with and you know I ask advice from them and uh so it's I've got a team of people that I can talk to and and they help me out so I'm very thankful for that but I mean, I love both, you know, to answer your question, mm-hmm. I love both, <laughs> but one's more comfortable and one is more, uh, sort of, sort of nerve wracking until yeah. it's over, <laughs> but still equally, I, I love it. I love it so much. I love being in the studio. There's air conditioning in the studio. <laughs> there is air conditioning in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I do like the. I love the, I love being in the studio. I think, um, the, yeah, the nerve wracking part and like throwing everything under a microscope, uh, mm-hmm adds an added level of of complexity and sort of of nerves but you record you record yourself a lot so has that helped you with analyzing the stuff that you're doing so that it's helping in the studio yeah it has um and that's actually when so when covid hit that's when i got my shed and that's when i decided i was gonna not necessarily post drum covers but just record myself and um just see what i could do and uh it's it's helped a lot it has helped a yeah. lot um so now i'm kind of getting into the eqing and and uh video aspect of things and that's i love doing that stuff i could sit there that's another thing i could sit in in adobe premiere and just edit a video for hours and not even realize that it's been you know four hours and i haven't right. eaten yet and i'm like oh wait i should probably <laughs> i should probably go have dinner um but yeah, so like recording drums in my shed by myself has really helped in the tracking world of things too. Yeah. Yeah. To- another thing that Benny Greb talks about, record yourself. Yeah. 
Always record Always. yourself. Always record yourself. Yeah. You know, and it's going to sound like crap and then you're going to hate the way you sound and how you look and this and that, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like, keep doing it. Come back, yeah. check it out, see if it sounds better. Do it again. You know, he has, yeah. I mean, that's all. Ben, I'm, that's not me saying that's Benny say. So listen to Benny. Yeah, I, I got his book and I was just reading it. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is so relatable. Holy crap. Like, how does yeah. he? I wish that I would have had this book 10 years ago, you know, I know. Um, but now I look at this and I'm like, okay, let's change some some things. Let's start, let's start really getting um, uh, like serious about practice mm-hmm. um, because used to I didn't like practicing and now I actually really love it. I love practicing, and because um, you can only get better, you know, like that's that's the point of this. So right, once you see video and um, just the playback of of your life throughout these days of practice you're like wow i was i started here and now look at me just literally 30 days in it's a complete change you know mm-hmm. if you really sit there and focus and do it the right way i think so his book has has tremendously helped me yeah for sure and anybody listening to this i go get I, that book i have it right here effective <laughs> yeah. practice for musicians it's uh absolutely uh, it's and i you may be the first person who's ever said on the podcast who's ever admitted publicly uh, that they hated practicing and I really, and I'm the same way. Like there, I, I hate going to the gym and I oh, always yeah. like, I go to the gym and every time I'm there, I'm like, I hate it. I hate it as much <laughs> on day one as I do on day 350 as I do on day. Like I fucking hate going to the gym Yeah, and, uh, I hate practicing. Always have. It's a thing. It's a thing. And I know that we're not the only two people that think that because, uh, I think that it's, it's kind of like finding a, finding a routine, you know, once you start doing it, it's, it's, it gets easier and it's not always necessarily a, a better experience, but, you know, I think that the more people know how to practice, it's knowing how to practice that makes it easier. I think that's um, the thing that always frustrated me. Benny's book opened a lot of doors for me because absolutely, yeah. same thing. I was like, I don't like I need to I need to practice how to practice like I need to learn how to practice I don't know how to practice and Mm -hmm. I've always felt like an idiot and a fraud and like whatever because I was like I don't know how to practice and I just do what I think that works but it Mm -hmm. I just never felt like I was a good practicer I sometimes I still feel that way so oh no I still do you're not alone yeah (laughs) no I still feel that way I'm not saying that no I have not figured this out uh I still yeah. struggle with all the same stuff, but Benny's, but Benny's book definitely opened a lot of doors mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, it's. I mean, he mentions being disciplined. Like that's, that's the best word to describe practice and anything mm-hmm. you do. You know, just yep. having discipline. Um, it gives you that freedom to do more things later on. Yep. And I think that's a great way to look at it. So, props yeah. to you, Benny, for yeah. writing Go, and creating any, such a masterpiece. Listening. <laughs> go listen to Benny's podcast. Uh, I forget what number it is, but just look it up. It's called Effective Practice for Musicians. It's on Drummer's Resource. You can look that up and get his book. I highly recommend it. And also, make sure you follow Ashland on IG and go check her out. And uh, is that the best place for them to follow you there? Should they go to your website? Um, I'm in the mix of making a website now, so it'll be it'll be ready shortly. I'm not sure when, but. Cool. It's a slow process. So yeah, Instagram, uh, Shanna felt my drums. People call me Shanna. That's not my name. It's Ashlyn. <laughs> so, <laughs> just so you, we're all clear about that. It's my fault. I did it to myself. It's fine. <laughs> Wait a minute. What? Hold on. My last name is sort of a, a play on words. I was just gonna, I was going to say, is your Instagram Shanna felt my drums? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I never... How did I... Never. I just thought it was your last name and drums. I guess I just never saw the my it, in the middle. Yeah. No. It's when you think. <laughs> That's sorry. amazing. When you think about it, like if if I were to have my first name and then felt my drums because people call me Shanna, right? I'm right. like, that's kind of weird and awkward. It's like <laughs> Ashlyn felt my like. It's just ugh. It makes me cringe. So like when people see that, I'm probably thinking. Oh no, I bet they think that. <laughs> right. It's just kind of sexual in a way. <laughs> but no, and I've been thinking about changing my Instagram name eventually. So yeah. I like it. Last name I'm is a, Shanna Felt. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a, to be fan. a joke. 
I'm a fan. Thank you. I'm a fan. <laughs> and uh, we will uh, we'll link up to it in the show notes for sure, so so that people can follow you. Check out. She puts up great videos. I think that everyone should go uh, check that stuff out and go see her live in Austin or or everywhere else you're playing. And yeah. uh, thanks for coming on the podcast and taking time to chat. I appreciate it. Man, thank you so much, Nick. It's been fun. Of course. Yeah. Likewise. There you have it. That's Ashlyn Shanafelt. And you can check out the show notes by going to drummersresource.com forward slash session 653. I really hope you dug this and do yourself a favor. Follow her on Instagram. And she has a ton of cool videos up there. And she's always doing some some amazing stuff. Uh, so definitely, definitely follow her. Grab his show notes again at, at drummersresource.com forward slash session 653. If you dig the podcast, do me a favor. Leave a rating. Leave a review. You can do that on iTunes. It takes about a minute. Uh, or Apple Podcasts, as they call it now. I don't know if I'll ever get out of the habit of calling it iTunes. Anyway, uh, other than that, that's all I got. So until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace. Drummer's Resource is produced by Revoice Media. Executive producer Nick Ruffini, that's me. Edited by Justin Thomas. Video editing by Tomas Shannon and graphic design by Catherine Wade. For more music and entertainment podcasts, be sure to check out revoicemedia.com.